The title of my message tonight is The Thoughts of God. The thoughts of God. You see, over the last year of my life, I've been through a big transition, and and I was raised in a home where I was taught to think according to the Word of God. But as I, you know, I'd had a really happy kind of simple life up until that point, and this last year and the year before, while my mom was, you know, going through her treatments and stuff, it was a challenging time in my life, and I really began to experience a true battle in my mind. And and I've taught a little bit about this here at church in in other messages that I've done, but I just really feel in my heart that it's something that we've just got to walk through as a church family. You see, to me, the most powerful and dominating force in our life is our mind. If we don't know how to control our thoughts, if we don't know how to think the thoughts of God, then regardless of what this book says, regardless of the promises that have been given to you, you will not experience the abundant life. Because you see, the Bible says, says to us, ladies and gentlemen, that as a man thinketh, so is he. The Bible clearly tells us exactly how powerful our thoughts are. It says, as a man thinketh, so is he. So what does that tell me? It doesn't matter that you look at me and you see a woman with the last name Neiman who was raised by Pastor Charles and Rochelle who grew up understanding the word of God, who is 30-something years old and has one daughter and an amazing husband. None of that matters. It, it, that's a, a, an outward description of who I am. What matters is what is in my heart. And what is in my heart is what is in my mind. Because the Bible says that as a man thinketh, so is he. So see, you can come to church every week, you can read your Bible every day, you can pray every day, you could be super spiritual and be one of those people that gets up and paces and prays and comes down to church early and does all the stuff and make sure they take communion multiple times and maybe even visit your old church too, just in case that one still holds some power, whatever it is. None of that matters. None of that defines who you are. The Bible tells us that we are what we think. As a man thinketh, so is he. Romans 12 verse 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies is God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So see here, we learn that we have to renew our minds. What does that mean? That means that even though I became a child of God, and even though I have a mind that God gave me, I must constantly renew my mind. You see, the battles of the spiritual realm are most often fought in the minds of believers. Most of your battles are not going to be fought in your outside circumference. They're going to be fought inside your mind. They're going to be fought inside your mind. Most of the struggle that you will encounter in your life, most of the fight that you have to fight is going to take place in your mind. 
So therefore, you must understand how to renew your mind, how to control your mind. It is so sad that so many people receive Jesus as their Savior, as their Savior, but they never experience the true victory of walking with Jesus. What does that mean? They never experience the abundant life. You see, when you make Jesus Lord of your life, you get access to eternity with Jesus. But as I was saying earlier, there's this abundant life that he has called us to live. And it doesn't just magically appear. It is a walk that you go through in life. And the more and more you renew your mind, the less and less and less of the world that will be in it. So the more and more and more of the abundant life that can come up inside of you. Therefore, as a man thinks, so is he. So if you want the abundant life, you must think the abundant life. Jesus did not give his life on the cross so that we can barely get by. He gave it so that you can have life and have it more abundantly. He gave it so that you can enjoy life. The devil, on the other hand, wants to kill you. He wants to steal from you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to ruin your life. He's a liar. He's a manipulator. He's a destroyer, a controller, an accuser. He wants you to have a miserable life. But tonight, you have a promise that says, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. How many of you believe that promise tonight? I do. Well, then why am I not walking in the fullness of that abundant life? Because I'm battling in my mind. You see, in order to attain true victory in your life, you must begin to think the thoughts of God. Think the thoughts of God. Our thoughts are so vital. So tonight I'm going to walk you through what are the thoughts of God. You see, I believe that your minds were created to think the thoughts of God. You see, it's real simple. The Bible says that you were created in his image. The Bible also says that you have the mind of Christ. So see, the the design and the makeup of your mind is created in a way to think the thoughts of God. The Bible also tells us that we have control, that we walk in authority, that we have power, that we have victory. So if you're sitting there before we go any further and you're thinking, well, that's a nice thought, but I can't control what comes into my mind, that is a lie. You have control over what comes into your mind. You've just got to get better at it. You've got to get better at it. It's not something that's easy. It's something that's learned. You know, on Friday night, I was talking about the greatest gift that I believe that my parents gave Jared and I is the gift of a sound mind. You see, our minds, they were so protective over what our minds got that we don't struggle in the way many people struggle. Because our minds function simply according to the way God created them to function. They don't doubt and question because they are filled with the word of God. They don't have the other stuff inside. But see, it's okay because even if your mind has the other stuff, you can get rid of it. You can get rid of it. 
See, the thoughts of God always line up with the word of God. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. It doesn't tell us to think about our lack. It doesn't tell us to think about disease. It tells us to think about what is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, and excellent. These are the thoughts of God. The thoughts of God line up with the word. Religion is not the word. The thoughts of God line up with the word, the Bible, not religion, not what people tell you, simply with what Jesus put in this book, amen? Those are the thoughts of God. The thoughts of God are always pleasing thoughts. They are always positive thoughts. They are not negative thoughts. The thoughts of God always move you forward. Always. There is never a point in your life where the thoughts of God should be causing you to look backwards. Your life is constantly moving forward. The thoughts of God never hold us back and they never paralyze us. Tonight, you sit here created in his image with the mind of Christ. 2 Corinthians 2.16 says, you have the mind of Christ. You're created in his image. If you are not thinking the thoughts of God, then tonight is your night to take responsibility and change that, amen? You must replace the thoughts. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 10.5, the key to thinking the thoughts of God. It says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You see, the Bible tells us clearly that we are going to think thoughts that are not of God. But when they come, you are to take those thoughts captive and remove them from your mind. Yes, this is an ongoing thing. Yes, it is a thing that requires action on your part. The battle we as a family have fought in the last year, so much of it has been in our minds. You know, I was talking with a friend of mine today. She came into town and I haven't seen her for a long time. She lost her father to cancer. I lost my mother to cancer. And I told her, you know, we were, she was asking me what I was going to teach about tonight. And I'll, I'll just share with you a little bit personally about why this is so important to me. You see, when my mom went to be with the Lord, I sat there, I was with her when she went to be with the Lord, and I sat there, and in that moment, a journey that I had been fighting in my mind for the last several months as she fought this fight, you know, I walked that and I fought in my mind, and, and I'm telling you, uh, I, I would go into the bathrooms and into the closets, and I would confess the word, and I would speak the word, and I would talk to my mind, even though, you know, I was seeing these physical things, and, and when I lost my mom, a whole new battle began in my mind. But you see, in that moment, I realized how powerful the word of God was. And over the last 
year of my life, I have come to understand how powerful the word of God is because the Bible commands us to have our minds stayed on him. And what that means is to have a foundation in your mind that is based in the word of God. Because when the storms of life come, and they will, that word will rise up inside your mind. That word will rise up inside your mind. You see, when that battle began, that word rose up inside my mind. And see, fortunately for Jared and I, we had more word than we had the world. We had more of the Bible than we had the world. We had had so much poured into us that that word, which is always more powerful than the world, outweighed the thoughts of the world. It took over. So when I was weak, I became strong in the Lord because my mind was stayed on him. You see, you have to know the word. You've got to have it in your mind. You have to fill your mind with it. Tonight, I'm going to walk you through. It's a real simple thing, but I think it's profound. I'm going to take you through some of the biggest thoughts of the world that we think, some of the biggest battles that we fight in our mind, and I'm going to prove to you why they're a lie, so that once and for all, you can have it settled in your mind when you leave here, that these thoughts are not the thoughts of God, and you can begin to think the thoughts of God so that you can put an end to these struggles. Number one, if you're taking notes, I'm all alone. How many of you have ever felt so alone? I'll tell you what, of all of the ones I'm going to talk about tonight, this has got to be one of the biggest ones that I have felt this year. You know, I spent probably 80% of my time literally with my mother for the last, I don't know how many years of my life. We were together all day, every day, and at night. And so there was moments where I just felt this uncontrollable feeling of being alone. But the truth is, you are never alone. We are never alone. Jesus is always with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. It is no longer, I love this verse, Galatians 2.20. It is no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. You see, what that verse means is that once you get saved, you quit doing life in the singular and you begin doing life in the plural because Jesus is inside of you. He's living in you. So you truly are never alone, never alone. Hebrews 13, five says, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you're one of those people that goes home at night and says, oh, Jesus, please, please pay attention to me. Jesus, please, please come. I need to hear from you. I need to feel you. I need to see you. Or you come to church thinking that that's where you're going to find Jesus. All of that is in vain. He's with you. He's inside of you. Quit talking to the spooky, spiritual, funny, weird version of him. Talk to yourself. You know, I was with Joyce Myers two weeks ago. She invited me to this thing. And she, someone, one of the ladies was asking her, you know, how do you pray? How do you talk to God? She said, well, she's very blunt. She said, you know, I just talk to him the way I talk to you. 
She said, I tell him, you know, Jesus, I just don't understand what's going on. What's the deal? You see, that's how personal her relationship with him is. That ministered to me. And see, it's so true because he is with you. He's always there. There is no one who can be closer to you. He doesn't walk before you. He doesn't walk beside you. He doesn't walk behind you. He walks in you. He is ever present in you. You are in him. He is in you. You are one and the same. You are never alone. Deuteronomy 31.6 in the Message Bible says, be strong, take courage, don't be intimidated, don't give them a second thought because God, your God, is striding ahead of you. He's right there with you. He won't let you down. He won't leave you. It doesn't matter how much fire, how much hell, how much uh, attack of the enemy. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter how deep the hole is. Jesus is right inside that hole with you. And let me tell you something tonight. Because he's with you, he's inside of you, you're empowered the same way that he is. So if you will just take this, believe it, take the negative thought captive, get it out of your mind and accept once and for all that I am one with him. I am not alone in this fight. I am not alone in this battle, I am not alone in this hole, then he will rise up inside of you and that victory and the authority that he walks in you with will come out of you and you will overcome. Amen. You are never alone. So the next time you think I am alone, then you just tell your mind, I am never alone. My heavenly father will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He is striding with me. He is right there with me. Amen? Amen. Number two, God's mad at me. I will never be fully accepted because of what I've done. This is a lie from the pit of hell. God is not concerned with what you have done. He's not concerned with what you have not done. He's not concerned with anything in your past, your present, or your future. How can you say that, Shannon? How can you say he's not concerned with it? Because the Bible tells us that when he went to the cross, he bore our sins. He bore our weaknesses. He carried them for us. He made an exchange. You see, God didn't just send his son for an act so that we could have someone to believe him. Believe in. He sent his son so that he could be your substitution. Jesus literally paid the price for all of the sins and all of the mistakes and all of the weaknesses. There's nothing left for you to do. When you start questioning yourself, when you start thinking that God's mad at you, that's an insult to the sacrifice that Jesus made. It is. Jesus' salvation is not partial. Jesus' salvation is not for certain people and not for the others. Jesus' salvation is not sometimes there and sometimes not. 
Jesus' salvation is not based on anything you uh, earn or works that you do or how much you pray or how often you come to church. Jesus' salvation is 100% complete. And the moment you accepted him as the son, as uh, the savior of your life, then you received it 100%. Not 90, not 95, 100%. You can't go back and erase part of it. It's complete. It's a whole Jesus is not concerned with any of it. The only person concerned with it is you. Why? Because you're not thinking the thoughts of God. You're not. Now, religion and people try to tell us that God is mad at us, that we're not earning enough, that we're not working hard enough, that we're not spiritual enough. They try to tell us that because you screwed up really bad at one time in your life that you can never be really used of God. Now, you might get to heaven ultimately, but in the meantime, you're just going to kind of be in the quiet corner. That is a lie. Jesus forgave you 100%. He is not mad at you. He does not care what you did. In fact, the Bible says that when you accepted him as as your Lord and Savior and you confessed your sins, that he erased your sins from his mind. He can't remember them. So you're beating yourself up over something God does not even know. But will you accept tonight that he is not mad at you? Tonight, your heavenly father accepts you. He loves you. He believes you. He sees you in the perfection that he designed you to be. You are in him, he is in you. Romans 8, 1, I love this verse. There is therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say that sometimes there's condemnation. It doesn't say that there might be. It doesn't say that if you're living a certain lifestyle, then that's not gonna work out for you. No, it says if you believe in him, you are his child. And regardless of what you're doing, where you are, what's going on. There is no condemnation in Christ for you tonight. He is not mad at you, amen? Second Corinthians 12, nine says, my grace is sufficient for you. There is no stipulation on grace. Ephesians 2, eight says that for by grace, you have been saved. You are not saved through your works. You are saved by grace. There is nothing you can do other than to completely reject Christ as your savior that can separate you from his love. So the next time you begin to think, God is mad at me. He will never accept me fully. He doesn't like me. You take those thoughts captive. You remove them from your mind and you tell the devil, I am loved tonight. I am accepted today. God is on my side. My past is my past. It belongs exactly where it is, behind me in Jesus' name. I'm moving on. I'm pressing forward. I'm good enough. I'm righteous enough because I am in him and he is in me. Amen. Amen. Number three, I'm afraid. I'm scared. I'll tell you, one time when I was about uh, three or four years old, I saw a Disney movie and it had a witch in it and, and I became very afraid. I began to have nightmares and, and I used to think that I would see the witch in different places of the house. And I still remember my mom and dad 
walking with me every night, getting in bed with me every night. And if they said it one time, they said it a thousand times. You have not been given the spirit of fear. Shannon say, I do not have a spirit of fear. You have a sound mind. Shannon say, I have a sound mind. And I had to repeat those things. And you know what? They did it and they did it and they did it and they did it and they did it until I didn't see the witch anymore and I didn't have a spirit of fear anymore and I had a sound mind. And you know what? Let me tell you something else. Even when I quit seeing the witch and I wasn't afraid anymore, guess what we did? Every night. I have not been given the spirit of fear. I have a sound mind. I'm not afraid. You know why? Because a lot of people come to the word when the problem happens. But you got to have the word inside you when the problem arises. Hear what I'm saying. It's not that I'm saying when the problem comes that you go somewhere else. No, you come to the word. And if it's not in you when the problem comes, then that's fine because the word is still all powerful. But that battle and the victory is going to be a lot shorter. The victory is going to come a lot quicker if that word is already inside you. You see, there may not even be a battle because the next time that I became afraid, it was already inside me. The other day I was at a meeting and they set me next to a lady who had cancer and she began to sit there and talk to me for six hours about having cancer. And let me tell you something, I had those thoughts of God rise up inside me. Did I become afraid? Oh yeah, because you know how many doctors have told me to worry about getting cancer since my mom died? I've heard that a hundred times already. But listen to me, that word is inside me. And what did I do? I said, excuse me, it's so nice to talk to you. I got up, I went to the bathroom, I shut the bathroom door and I stood in there and I said, I do not have the spirit of fear. I will not be afraid because cancer has no place in my body. I have the victory over cancer because you see that word is inside of me. I'm not going to fight that big fight because that word is inside of me and it comes up. So you got to fill your mind now with the word. You don't wait until the problem arises. If you live in fear, you will never accomplish what God has placed you in this earth to accomplish. Fear will paralyze you. It will cause you to do nothing. It will cause you to accomplish nothing. This is not God's will for your life. Our relationship with God is based on one simple thing. It's based on our faith in him. Fear is the direct opposite of faith. That's all it is. Fear is nothing more than a thought. It's nothing more than a thought, and it is not a thought of God. The Bible says we have absolutely no reason to fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. I do not have a spirit of fear. I have power. I have love. I have a sound mind. Psalms 34.7 says, The angel of the Lord, it camps around all those who fear him, and he delivers them. Amen. 
he delivers them. Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I walk that verse every day. I say that verse every day because I know that there's a devil who's out there who wants to attack my family, who wants to attack my body, who wants to attack our city, who wants to attack our church members. And you know what the Bible says? He doesn't say that the, that the attack isn't gonna come, but it says that no weapon formed against you can prosper, amen. Will you believe that tonight? No weapon formed against you can prosper. Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not. Fear not, for I am with you. You have to reject the faith. Well, Shannon, how do I build my faith? Because I am afraid. First John, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 1.7 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. If you're struggling with fear, then you need to hear the word. I'm not talking about just coming to church. I'm talking about confessing the word. I'm equipping you tonight to confess the word over all of these thoughts. I'm, I'm equipping you tonight to think the thoughts of God. How do I begin to do that? I confess the word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing. So just like I told you, my parents taught me confession as a young child. I have not been given the spirit of fear. I will not be afraid. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. My God of angel armies goes before me. He prepares the way for me. He keeps me safe from harm. His angels encamp around me and protect me. I confess those things. You need to hear the word every single day. You need to confess them because faith comes by hearing the word. Amen? The next time you think, I am afraid, I'm too scared, you take those thoughts captive, you rebuke them from your mind, and you tell the devil, I am not afraid. I do not have the spirit of fear. The God of angels' armies is with me. He protects me. He keeps me safe from harm. Amen? Number four, I have no hope. There's no hope for me. This is a big one. So many people in today's society really struggle with depression and sadness. The amount is almost overwhelming. You see, the devil really tries to attack us emotionally. I really believe it's the, the quickest way for him to get at us. Psalms 42.11 says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him my Savior and my God. John 14, 1 says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. If your heart is troubled tonight, I just wanna encourage you to believe that you can have peace in God. Believe that what the Bible says is true. How do you get rid of sadness? You run to places of joy. You run to places of joy. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Your father is full of joy. You need to talk to him bluntly. You need to tell him what you love about him. You need to look at your life and force yourself to focus on what you do have. You need to force yourself to focus on what is going right. You've got to make a switch there in your approach. You find joy in the word of God. And listen to this. I've never read this verse in this context. It says, you know, um, 2 Corinthians 16, 27 says, Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. 
You see, you find joy in the house of God. This is his place. So if you're struggling with depression, if you're struggling with sadness, then you get to church because there is joy in his place. Amen? If you're, if you're sad, if you're depressed, if you think there's no hope, then you need to learn to live with a thankful heart. Begin to be thankful for what you do have. You see, sometimes that sadness can shift our focus to everything that's going wrong. And what we don't recognize is that there's a lot going right. You got to make a conscious decision to look at what's going right. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Proverbs 23, 18 says, surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. If you are here tonight and you feel hopeless, you have a promise that says surely, not maybe, not sometimes, not kind of, not one day. It says surely there is a hope. Your, uh, surely there is a future. Your hope will not be cut off, amen? Your hope will not be cut off. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. No matter what you are feeling, you be confident tonight that you can get through, amen? Begin to declare your hope. Are you saying, Shannon, that I can just say that I have a hope in the future? That's exactly what I'm saying because you have promise after promise after promise in the word of God that says you have a hope, you have a future. What does that mean? Your life is never hopeless. It's never hopeless. The next time you think there's no hope and I'm sad and I'm depressed, you take those thoughts captive, you rebuke them from the mind and you tell the devil, I am not depressed, I am not sad, I'm happy, I'm full of joy, I have a great life, Jesus is my stand up, he's my recovery in Jesus' name, I have a hope and a future and it's a great one, amen? Amen. Number five, I'm broke. I can never get ahead. You were not put on this earth to be poor. You were put here to be well supplied. Philippians 4.19 says, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. It doesn't say he'll supply some of them. It says all of them. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil. Thoughts to give you a future and a hope. John 10, 10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. An abundant life is a life that is well supplied. It is not a life of lack. It is not a life of without. It is a life that is well supplied. God wants you tonight to know that you live a blessed and highly favored life. That's what he called you to live. You're here. You're blessed. You're highly favored. Amen. 
Well, I don't feel like it. Well, you know what? You get up tomorrow, you put some confidence on, and you go to work believing that you are blessed and highly favored. Instead of expecting your boss to come in and be a jerk, you expect him to come in and recognize your hard work. Instead of opening up your bank account and not knowing where the money's going to come from, you expect to open your bank account and that God has met that need in Jesus' name. You got to begin to think the thoughts of God. Malachi 3.10, I read it earlier. God wants to bless you beyond your wildest dreams. There is nowhere you can find in the Bible where it says that God wants you to go without. If you want to see God's financial blessings grow in your life, then you need to start giving. You need to start giving. The Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. Give and it shall be given unto you. One action produces the next. Give and it shall be given unto you. So the next time you think I'm broke, I don't have enough money, I can't get through, you take those thoughts captive, you remove them from the mind, and you tell the devil, I'm blessed today, I'm highly favored today, I'm well supplied, my heavenly father will meet all of my needs in Jesus' name. I do not lack, I do not go without, my family doesn't go enough. Go without, I have more than enough, Amen. Number six, I'm sick. I can't get well. You are redeemed from the curse of the law. God created you in his image. Do you see a picture in your mind of Jesus or your heavenly father as being sick and weak and in bed? No. We see our Heavenly Father as healthy. We see Him as whole. We see Him as well. We don't see Him laid up in bed sick. We don't see Him full of disease. You are redeemed from the curse of the law. Tonight, you are one and the same with Him. Psalms 107.20 says, he sent his word and he healed them. He sent his word and he healed them. Oh, but that was back then. Oh, when the, all the miracles and the gospels, he sent his word and he healed them. The Bible also says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. Whatever he did then, he will do now. If there's sickness in your body, you've got to quit thinking about that sickness. Hear me. It doesn't mean that you ignore that the sickness is there, but you've got to Remove that thought from your mind. Every time you think, I've got this, I've got that, I've been diagnosed with this, I've been diagnosed with that, you gotta speak it out loud because a man thinks in his heart, you tell those things to go away. You speak life over them. You say, I am not those things. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Jesus bore my sicknesses. He carried my diseases. He delivered me from the curse of the law. No weapon formed against me can prosper. My, my body functions according to the way Jesus designed it to function. My health is restored back to the perfection he created me to be. My daughter has never so much 
has been, been put on any medication. She's completely healthy, whole, and well. And let me tell you something. Every single night when I put her in bed, I confess over her. She is healthy, whole, and well. She's redeemed from the curse of the law. No weapon formed against her shall prosper. She's healed. Her body functions according to the way it was uh, designed to function. Why do I do that? Because I'm anticipating sickness? No, because I'm feeling her mind with the thoughts of God. I know she can hear me when she's old enough to think and that sickness begins to creep up in her body, what's going to come out of her mind is going to be the thoughts that I have filled her mind with, that she's healed, she's redeemed, she's delivered, she's free from sickness, no weapon formed against her shall prosper. Will you believe the thoughts of God? Jeremiah 30, 17 says, for I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds. Isaiah 53 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So the next time you think I'm sick, I can't get well, I'm not going to make it through it. What if I get that ugly disease my relatives have? What if I inherited that gene? You take those thoughts captive, you speak to them, you rebuke them from your mind, and you tell the devil, I'm healed, I'm redeemed. No sickness or disease can live in my body. My body functions according to the word of God, according to the design that God created it to function. I am healthy tonight. I am whole tonight. I am well. My health is restored. Amen. And last but not least, I can't do it. I'm not smart enough. So many Christians do not achieve their God-given destiny because they are convinced they can't do it. They think they're not capable. They think they're not equipped. The devil fills our minds with insecurities. He fills our minds with doubts and unbelief. In truth, your mind should be filled with confidence. It should be filled with boldness and assuredness. It should be sure that you can do it. The Bible clearly tells us in Philippians 4.13 that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. It also says in Mark 9 that all things are possible to him who believes. But Shannon, I just don't know how. I'm not smart enough. That's a lie from the devil. 1 Corinthians uh, 2.16 says that you have the mind of Christ. Would you dare say that Jesus is not smart enough or doesn't know how? No. But Shannon, so many people are against me, so I feel like I can't do it. Deuteronomy 24 says, for the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Your Lord is not just in you. He's not just with you. You're not just not alone. He goes and he fights the battle for you. Amen. Tonight, you have the authority of Jesus. When you made him the Lord of your life, Colossians 1.13 says you were delivered from the power of darkness. That word power is literally translated authority. You have been delivered from the authority of darkness and you were placed into God's kingdom where it then became your inheritance in Jesus Christ that you receive the same power that he has. So tonight, you can do it. Tonight, you are 
are smart enough. Tonight, all things are possible for you. Luke 10, 19 says, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Deuteronomy 28, 13 says, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above and not beneath. Every single day of my life, I declare that I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Is that arrogant? Is that cocky? No, it's a promise in the body. It's called, in the Bible, it's called walking in the authority of Jesus Christ. Tonight, you are the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You have the authority over everything that comes from the enemy, amen? So the next time you think, I can't do it, I'm not smart enough, someone else would be better, you take those thoughts captive, you remove, remove them from your mind, and you tell the devil, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have the mind of Christ, nothing is impossible for me. My strength, my authority is in my identity with Jesus Christ. I'm the head, I'm not the tail, I'm above, I'm not beneath, I'm strong, I'm capable, I'm equipped, and I can, amen? I'll close with this. You have to get your thoughts right. You've got to begin to think the thoughts of God before the battles come in your life so that in the midst of the attack, that word will rise up inside of you. The word is always stronger. It's always bigger. It's always greater. It's always grander. It's always more powerful than anything you will be attacked with. Think of it this way. You don't wait until the bill for your mortgage comes in the mail to go get the job. You get the job before so that you're ready for when the bill comes, amen? You gotta think the thoughts of God now. You gotta think the thoughts of God every day. If you have children, you gotta fill their minds with the thoughts of God. You got to fill their minds with the thoughts of God. It doesn't mean you're not going to doubt. And when you do doubt, I'll just tell you this. Whatever you do, don't let that doubt come out of your mouth. You take it captive. You take that, 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 that doubt captive. You reject it. You remove it from your mind. If you would say, Shannon, I don't know how to do what you were doing. I don't know how to confess the word. Then you go, you buy this CD tonight, you write down all these verses that I gave you, and you just begin to repeat them every single day. And that word will begin to get planted in your heart. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight? Let's just say a confession. Say, I am never alone. My heavenly father will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He's striding ahead of me. I am loved and accepted. He's on my side. My past is in my past. I'm moving on. I'm pressing forward. I'm good enough. I am not afraid. I do not have the spirit of fear. He protects me. He keeps me safe from harm. I am not depressed. I'm not sad. I'm happy. I'm full of joy. I have a great life. 
I have a hope and a future. I am blessed and highly favored. I am well supplied. My Father will meet all of my needs. I do not lack. I do not go without. I have more than enough, amen? I am healed. I am redeemed. No sickness or disease can live in my body. My body functions according to the word of God. I am healthy. I am whole. I am well. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have the mind of Christ. Nothing is impossible for me. My strength, my authority is in my identity, which is with Jesus Christ. I am the head. I am not the tail. I am above. I am never beneath. I am strong. I am capable and I can in Jesus' name. If you believe that tonight, then just give him a shout of praise. Thank him for his word. Thank him for his promises over your life. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information on teaching materials or questions about our church, please visit us at alfc.com or charlesneeman.com.